Hey guys, welcome back. Here we are. It's 2023. I can't fucking believe it, but it's 2023. We are back here in our seats, in our studios, bringing you the Uncultured Cinematic Universe. Each episode, we take a look at a classic and iconic film from two perspectives, that of the diehard fan and that of the uncultured who's never seen it before until now. And that's Joe this week. Joe, you are the uncultured, and I can't wait to share this movie with you because... We're talking about 1998's Can't Hardly Wait. Can you not wait or can you not hardly wait to share I, the movie? With I me? can't even begin to even hardly waiting. Get ready for <laughs> more of that on this episode. Yep, that's how it's going to be. Uh, we're your hosts, Joe and Justin. And uh, as a reminder, we're talking... Um, yeah, I already told you that. We're already talking about Can't Hardly Wait. But you can find us on YouTube or listen to us. Uh, wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, just search for The Uncultured Cinematic Universe. Also, check us out Check us out on Instagram, at UCU Podcast. You'll find more lovely bits there. We got drink recipes. We got behind the scenes. We got cats. It's all the stuff. We kind of double as a cocktail blog. It's mm-hmm. a whole thing. Yeah, it is a whole thing. Um, and I'm excited to bring it to the people. So just- without without further ado, Joe... Let's hop into our crappy 1996 Civic, crank some Smash Mouth, and head to the party that is Can't Hardly Wait. Tell me more about what you thought about this movie. My first car was a 2002 Civic, uh, and it shocks me to realize like how close that car was to this time period, because he looks like he is driving an office when he drives that car around. That thing is a boat, for yeah. sure. It's humongous. Um, um, yeah, tell me, tell me some things. Tell me what you got. I couldn't hardly wait to watch this movie. Um, I really enjoyed it. I, I went into it a little trepidatious. I think rightfully so. There are certain parts of this movie that did not age well. No. Um, but I have some interesting thoughts on I, that. Um, yeah. Because I definitely, if we're talking about like the... And I'll, 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 I'll try and attempt a plot description in a bit. But if we're talking about like the, the evolution of the one night only teen uh, high school party movie, right? Yeah. Um, you have like a, there's, I, I, I kind of wondered like what your touch points were here because I have a very specific evolution in mind between like an 80s movie, a 90s movie. Yeah. And then one that's in like the 21st century. Mm-hmm. So I think of, 16 Candles, yep. uh, I think, is a big one. Oh, yeah. Uh, this movie um, is kind of the 90s version. Uh, and then getting more into modern times, uh, have you seen Booksmart? No. Is that a show? Oh, my God. Okay. We may have to cover that as like a little mini follow-up to this. So Booksmart oh. is a version of this. It came out in like 2019, uh, I want to say. It's about these two girls who are like, they, they excelled academically all through uh, high school. It's a movie. Uh, and then on the very last uh, day of high school, like the day before graduation, they decide to finally cut loose like at, in one big fling before, um, uh, before going off to college. And it's really good and hilarious. And it has great music. And it's, it's, just, it's very much in line with this, but it's very also interesting to see the progression in how stories like this are handled. It's very much the same as like how many crazy things can happen over the space of a single night. Absolutely. Um, uh, 
you're not the same person going into this as you are coming out of this. Exactly. What does it mean to cross over beyond uh, high school? It's 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 capturing that nexus point of like this is the last time we're all going to have the <laughs> high school labels on us. Exactly. Uh, do we cast them off or do we try to cling to them as hard as we can? Yeah, Joe. What does it even all mean? What does you know, it mean? What does it mean? That's what happens when you turn 18. You just like start questioning your entire life. And this this movie captures that in a really um, unique way. So yeah, so you were touching on some of the things about, you know, the movies that came before this and the movies after. So yeah, this this definitely borrowed from the 80s, the 80s of it all, of those kinds of teen raunch kind of party high school movies. Like you said, 16 Candles, um, say anything, uh, specifically say anything was a big influence for this movie. Um, the director, the writers and directors looked at that movie, you know, the movie with, with John Cusack holding up the, the boom box. That's all I know about that movie. I've never seen same. It. I never saw it either, but apparently there's like an iconic, uh, party scene in it. Okay. And the writers and directors were like, what if the movie was just about the party? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so this movie definitely paved the way for, the American pies and, you know, 10 years later, super bad, you know, of the young teenager budding on adulthood kind of stuff. And I I thought this, yeah. Yeah. I think super bad is probably like the, the between 2000 and 2020 movie that I missed there. So it goes like 16 candles, this movie, super bad. And then a movie like book smart is kind of covering 40 years worth of (laughs) high school party movies. Yeah. Yeah, so let's 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 loop it back around. So at the top, you know, I said this is 2023, baby. We've left 2022 in the dirt back there behind us. This is the new year, and we wanted to kick it off strong with a new theme. So we love a theme. You boys love a theme. It's the beginning of the year. It's the new year. So the theme for this month or for this quarter, for this couple stretch, I don't know, is firsts firsts new that kind of thing the uh you know it's the start of the calendar year it's the start of the the week of the year that kind of thing we're gonna talk about our first kisses yeah the first time we ever went to jail like this is gonna be great but yeah so this movie was the first movie i saw in theaters with friends by myself co-ed style And uh, it's been a good topic of discussion in the household of like, I can't believe your parents let you go see this movie, co-ed. And also this movie is horrible for a then 10-year-old to go see in the theaters. And that's how old I was when this movie came out. I was a little surprised this movie is only rated PG-13 though. Like it's not like it was going too crazy, but it does have a lot happening in it. I I don't want to jump ahead too far, but like I did have at one point in my notes, this feels like uh, the Avengers Endgame of teen party movies where uh, (laughs) everything you can possibly imagine is coming together in every possible combination. Uh, Every trope from the 90s, every actor from the 90s, it felt like. Like we can get into the cast list for this movie and how Mm. foundational it was, how many careers it kind of jump started. Yeah. Yeah, let's absolutely talk about that. Mm. Yeah, so let's bubble it up at the top, and I'll give you some overview numbers here. Um, yeah, so this movie released June 12th, 1998, and an addendum, I was 11 when this movie dropped. Uh, it is 101 minutes. It is a tight, you know, hour and a half-ish. Mm. This movie had a smallish budget also of 
10 to 13 million dollars and bankrolled 25.6 box office. So they made their money back and then some. It Not did pre- it did pretty good. The uh the soundtrack specifically peaked at number 25 on the Billboard Top 200, if you can mm-hmm. believe it. The 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 soundtrack being essentially a now that's what I call music volume 3 at the time, I guess, cuz really it's was. 1998. It was just banger after banger, honestly. It really was. It definitely propels the story forward or the 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 movie forward to me. Um, so I don't know if you knew this, but I didn't know this until most recent uh, rewatch. The film is named specifically from a song, also named "Can't Hardly Wait" by the band The Replacements. The song mm-hmm. actually plays over the closing credits. Oh, I love that! I actually love the title of this. You never. It's it's it's. It's kind of uncommon to name a movie like this when the movie should be called like raunchy sex party or something like that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But uh, it's, it's an extremely memorable title. You kind of have to sit for a second to figure out like, does this work grammatically? What's happening here? There's so much happening. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I think it really does uh, perfectly kind of sum up that, that feeling of we're about to jump over the cliff into definitely adulthood. Right. Yeah, and it touches on a bunch of aspects of it that you kind of touched on of like, I'm going to be a different person. I'm going to a different place. I'm going through changes myself, you know, discovery, all that kind of stuff that you, you know, are hit with as a teenager, you know, finishing high school and going into the beyond of, you know, your adult life. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's really interesting because you see it from all the perspectives, you know, however uh, grading or... uh, you know, inaccurate it may be. Um, but I think there's some truth in, in a lot of the stories that they tell. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, so one last little bit here, talking about the writer, the writing and directing team specifically. This was written and directed by Deborah Kaplan and Harry Elfant. They are a, uh, you know, dynamic duo. Uh, they are a creative team. They got their start uh, doing a very Brady sequel. That came out the year before this, incredible. Or two years before this, right? Uh, the The Flintstones in Viva Rock Vegas, <laughs> the sequel to the Flintstones movie, you know. Uh, Josie and the Pussycats. Did you ever catch that one? I haven't. So it, it seems like they're kind of within the realm of like this is a this is kind of a funny highbrow teen comedy, but we're also gonna get a little a little nasty with it. a little nasty. But you know, we're not afraid to like. Tell a butt joke. Yeah, love it. Uh, another um, honorable mention that they they mentioned, wink, wink, uh, that they did was Made of Honor. Did you catch that one with Patrick Dempsey? Wasn't that like a lot? It was later? a it was a lot later, but that's added to their credit. They they both have uh, written and directed several of those movies, but mostly written. So they are a writing powerhouse. Good for them. I know, right? Um. But yeah, so that's that's kind of just the general overview of this movie. There's not too much to it. It's, um, you know, this isn't like a big budget kind of thing. This isn't a big heavy hitter. It's a limited, you know, uh, limited shots, limited locations. There's only like two spots or three, really. There's like the football field, the house party, and then like the train station. Uh, or some of the aftermath. There's like a couple other places in there, but those are like the main set pieces. The main guy's kind of like driving around for a second. We will talk about Jenna Elfman and the way that I gasped. Yeah, love that. 
Let's get into there's, that. There's a big old scene in like a telephone booth. Yeah. This is great. So this is a good transition. Let's go ahead and do that. Let's play this trailer that I got here for you, Joe. Mm -hmm. This is fun. Yeah. Peak 90s. Mm -hmm. At first it was also unbelievable. Mike Dexter wanted to date me. I know why I started dating him. I just don't know why I did it for so long. Well, he is the most dope guy in school. Yeah, and school's over. This party tonight? Amanda suddenly being single? It's fate. Fate has opened me a window. Yo, I got to have sex tonight. It took me all day, but I narrowed it down to a list of 10 very lucky finalists. You know what I'm saying? Do you think there'll be any girls there? Are you kidding me? People may even be having sex tonight. Oh. Get out of my way! Have you seen Amanda Beckett? Yeah, Magic saw her in there. I'm thinking about asking her out, boy. Oh. God, you're a hottie. I filled this with seven bottles of vodka last September. It's been in my freezer for... Alright, y'all, check it. Time to get busy. Who does he think he is? Brad Pitt? <laughs> and you're like, Glennon. But with bigger boobs. Totally bigger boobs. <laughs> I can't feel my legs. I can't feel my legs! Columbia Pictures presents an event 18 years in the making. When you find out who your friends really are. I don't think she's prettier than Gwyneth. Not even. What your future really holds. I am going to have sex with someone at this party. And how one night can change your life. There it I is, don't know about you, but I really believe that there's one person out there. And for me, it's gotta be Amanda. There's a mirror right there. Why don't you take a look, okay? You're white. Guys like us, we are a dime a dozen. There is fate. But it only takes you so far because once you're there, it's up to you to make it happen. Amanda? Can't hardly wait. Wishing has a winning play. Huntington, Huntington, hey, hey, hey! How is it going to be, Joe? Uncredited Melissa Joan Hart at like <laughs> the top of her popularity in this is it's amazing, right? Uh, I don't mean to like jump ahead, but a, a little Easter, well, not even Easter, I guess just trivia bits. She Tell was me. in the middle, she was in the middle of filming season two of Sabrina the Teenage Witch when she was on set here. She was I, she, she was pulling, you know, all-nighters. I believe it. She was doing them favors. I I know her so much more from Clarissa Explains It All. I never Same. watched Sabrina, but we had like VHSs of Clarissa. Oh yeah, dude. I you know, we talked about this on previous episodes talking about uh, Snick, you know, the the Nick at Night that kind of thing for yeah, kids. Yeah, like the, the little four show cassette that was like Roundhouse. Yeah. Yeah, and Clarissa, right? That's that's the whole thing. That was my initial exposure to her too, right? That was her TV debut, and then she went on to Sabrina. And I think I watched a little bit of that, but I think it was a little bit too older or too little too old for me. But it's the same with Clarissa; it, it all went over my head because I was seven. I can just uh, I can't even imagine what Hollywood was like in the year leading up to this movie being made. Everyone trying to get into it, like 
it it was it was almost like muscle memory as i'm watching the first 20 minutes of this movie i'm like what's missing here what's missing i don't even know i don't even know something is missing and then it falls into place and i'm like breckenmeyer this movie needed needed breckenmeyer is he's literally it's like spotlight down breckenmeyer breckenmeyer was in talks to play i believe seth green's role but he dropped he dropped to do something else i can't remember so seth green swooped in and uh took the reins but yeah it's missing breckenmeyer seth green on an 11 in this movie oh yeah 100 (laughs) percent wait wait a minute um breckenmeyer he's still trying to see what's up with breckenmeyer these days he's still around he did a TV show that was like a legal comedy drama with Mark Paul Gosselaire, right? Where they were like, lawyers. oh, that's right. That's right. Uh, Rizzoli and Isles. That's it. Yes, he was Rizzoli. <laughs> and she and he was Isles. Yep. Yes, you're right. Um, so Mr. Mr. Brecken Meyer is in the movie. Uh, yeah. I misspoke. Yeah. Yeah. I thought he I thought he left to go to do something else, but. I think Brecken he Meyer is the, the lead, lead singer, singer of the band. Yeah, he um he had to turn down a bigger role. That's what it was. Gotcha, gotcha. That makes more sense. Uh yeah, I mean we can talk through all of like the cameos. They're not even cameos, they're more just like just actors that are famous now who maybe this is their first even role in a movie. This movie is a hundred percent that. This is the catapulting, you know, start for a lot of these young actors that you see throughout this movie. Like least of all, Selma Blair before Legally Blonde, Jason Siegel before Freaks and Geeks. Mm-hmm. Um, who else? Uh, I guess Jamie Presley's in there. Jamie too. Presley, yeah. One of the friends. Freddie. Um, what's his name? Freddie. One of the jocks. He was on Six Feet Under. He was Turk's uh, brother-in-law from Scrubs. Freddie Rodriguez is that his name? Shows. Oh, the the smaller jock that uh, yeah, crazy yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Lots of six feet under in this cast. It's it's kind of interesting to think like how this was the beginning for so many uh, actors of that generation, but also the end for a couple. Because like, where are you seeing Ethan Embry uh, after this movie? Really, like, is this like kind of his big shot? Um, I believe the studios like took a gamble on him because like he's not like a typical leading man. He didn't have a whole lot of credits leading up to this to warrant him to be a leading man. But apparently like he came about the role in such like a interesting way. That's mm-hmm. a little bit a more approachable, a little kind of nerdy, kind of soft, kind of uh, human. Right. And they're like oh, everyday nice guy. It's your everyday nice guy who, you know, loves Kurt Vonnegut and. He's in the writing club where they do writing, probably. And he listens and loves Barry Manilow. Um, Joe, before we go any deeper, I and we're, we're skirting around a whole bunch of things, I'm going to give you some time on the clock. Are you ready to do the plot? This is going to be a bloodbath. Um, we'll... <laughs> How much time do you want? Do you want a minute or do you want a minute and a half? No, I mean, let's do a minute. Let's not torture the listeners, but like let's I... Not. I am going to pull up the the Wikipedia just for people's names, though. Okay, uh, fair. Okay, because there's a lot of names in here. There's a lot of folks. Okay, I'm just gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna try to do it. Okay, here we go. On your mark, get set, go. 
All right, it is 1998. Um, it is the night of high school graduation. Everyone who's anyone is gathering at this large house party where uh, people are going to be shooting their shot and uh, figuring out who they want to be as adults. Um, <laughs> this movie centers around six main characters, the first being Preston, who's this like nice guy writer kid who has a crush on Amanda, the most popular girl in school, um, who doesn't even know he exists. Amanda is this nice girl who's dating uh, Mike, who is kind of like the mean jock guy who is uh, really popular in high school, but worried about college. Uh, Mike always uh, picks on William, who's this nerd kid who has a plan for revenge when he gets to the party. Uh, and then there's also eh, Denise, who is Preston's friend, uh, and Kenny, who's this like wannabe thug guy who wants to lose his virginity at this party. Uh, <laughs> they all get together at this uh, party and things happen and uh, Denise and Kenny get locked in a bathroom and they end up uh, having sex. And uh, I really focused on Denise and Kenny towards the end there. I mean, they're the heart of the movie, I think, you know, but so, uh, you did pretty good. I think I got out what I wanted to get out there because really it's about six main characters, I would say. Yes. Who all have different paths within this movie. Um, and like a hundred different side characters around them who are all doing like funny, crazy things. Um, and then some really funny cameos. Uh, essentially, what, what I want to get into as like the meat of this episode is like, tracking these six main characters storylines through this night in terms of like a teen party movie and how successful I think uh, each storyline is. Yeah. Uh, how maybe it feels a little dated versus how I was like maybe surprised by some of them by how yeah. like kind of deep they got kind of uh, modern it felt. Um, first and foremost, I just want to get out there. I, I think Preston and Amanda are so fucking boring. Uh, they are. They really, are. Really hoped this entire movie that they did not end up together, and they did. They did, and it sucks. It's a little boring. It's super vanilla, white bread, milk toast bullshit. But so, it. They are the least interesting out yeah. of all the characters. I agree. Preston is, and again, like it's the '90s. We we don't even have like language for any of this yet. It's it's totally normal. But he's he's kind of this nice guy, stereotypical character who thinks he deserves uh, a girl's attention just because he is being nice. Uh, he's kind of like a pick me guy, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, a hundred percent. Um, which is fine. Uh, but also, I I I want to see that growth in the movie, and it feels like. There's not a whole, the movie isn't intending for him or Amanda to grow. Amanda's a little bit more interesting because she's obviously this like practically angelic uh, character. She's like the cool new girl in freshman year who becomes the most popular girl really quickly. Mm -hmm. And then by the time this party rolls around, she, she just broke up with uh, Mike, the most popular guy in school. And she's kind of jaded with it all. She's trying to figure out who she is. And then her story, the second she finds the mysterious letter that turns out to be from Preston, it gets it just gets completely hijacked because she goes from who am I like if I don't have a, a boyfriend to I must immediately find this uh, yeah. new strange man to become attached to and make my entire life about. Right. And the movie ends with like the little like 
epilogue thing where it says like she she wrote him a letter every day while he was away i was like god that's that's bleak um <laughs> yeah i, I will say i, I want to get into the other characters too but i will say i did love like the the playfulness of like the beginning and end of this movie i love like a, a structure a framing device in that way where it kind of shows like their yearbook photo every time they introduce a main character and mm-hmm. like all their different qualifications this movie was yearbook culture yep used to love uh going through uh yearbooks of like my older siblings and just reading everyone's like quotes and likes and dislikes super fun right very bored kid um (laughs) this is before the internet yeah yeah way before um and i i I liked that as kind of a an introductory device for each character and i liked how jokey the the little um bullet points were at the end kind of telling how each character ends up um, I just wish, and I think I think if this movie was made today, it would take some interesting um, directions with some of these characters. It would kind of grow them in different ways. But I think this is maybe more what was expected in the the late nineties. It's it's true. You're right. Like obviously, yeah. A lot of this, a lot of these, you know, um, themes and stuff that pop up are definitely problematic in this age if you can watch the movie through the guise of just like a little bit of like high school innocence of like, there's this guy who has this massive crush on this girl and he has for four plus years. And he's like professing her love in this letter. He sees her for who she actually is and not as the popular girl or just Mike's girlfriend or whatever. Like Mm -hmm. there is some semblance of that. If you can get over like the, he is just being a nice guy and feeling like he deserves his chance with her and like, he thinks it's fate and he's bubbling it up to this big thing that it definitely isn't. And it's super problematic, um, by current standards. But again, like if you try to think of it from an 18 year old standpoint, like super immature, not really sure how the world works, not even probably hasn't even been in a relationship, doesn't even understand the mechanics of it there. That kind of does strip away. I think in my opinion, just a little bit of the, the problem of it. But however, you know, we I, gotta we gotta raise the kids in the proper way to not think that they deserve something undeservedly because like it's all the stuff that you talked about. No, I I, I see exactly what you're saying here because like hindsight's kind of twenty twenty in this uh, uh in this way because like I I can watch this movie as uh, you know someone in their late twenties uh, and maybe have a little bit more perspective on high school, but like. In high school, yeah, I would have been like just that uh, exact same annoying little nice kid. Um, so you kind of like you have to think of it through the perspective of like a chaotic uh, high schooler, you know, and all the stuff that's going on in your mind at that very moment. It, it does kind of normalize itself a little bit. A little bit because they've only been around for 18 years. They are still fucking children. They have no idea how the world works or anything like that. And everything that is happening to them is the most biggest important thing ever. Mm -hmm. On one hand it is because they, they know nothing else. But on the other hand, it's like, like chances are this relationship's going to fizzle out. It's not even that big of a deal. And also you're being kind of creepy or, you know, getting laid at this party is probably not the best thing to go about. Like that's probably not the, the right way to go about going to this last party of the year kind of thing before you leave for UCLA, Kenny. Right. But, through the eyes of an 18 year old, you know, their eyes are bigger than their stomachs. They have no idea the implications of what they are, you know, uh, cultivating. Yeah. I think, um, uh, Preston and Amanda, uh, 
are kind of the required bread on this sandwich of main characters. You're right. right. They're important. They're, they're needed for the structure of the story, but they're not going to be the most uh, spicy part. I actually, I, I, I weirdly thought the most successful storyline here was Mike's the, the main kind of bully guy. Yeah. Uh, because he, He's the one who comes in kind of on top of the world. He's he's kind of forming this blood pact with his, with his, <laughs> his lackeys break up with their girlfriends. But you can tell that uh, there's like an internalized panic in him because he's really he's realizing that high school's about to end and he's going to have to redefine himself in college. And like all this power and control he has over the student body is about to end. His girlfriend is broken up with him and he's trying to make that. Uh, something he can benefit from by having kind of like a slut summer uh, and <laughs> really works out for him. And I think it really comes together nicely uh, because his, his entire trajectory throughout this party is just down, 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 down. Yes. Uh, and then he, he keeps on getting rejected by so many people uh, as he loses more and more power here. And then he, it's a really great scene when he is on the bench and Jerry O'Connell sits down, who was yeah. like the 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 same jock high school popular kid from a few years ago who is now in college and is able to be like, dude, like college is not what you think it's going to be. It sucks. We're a dime a dozen, uh, literally. Like he says it in the trailer. Um, and it's I, I think it's a really interesting moment. I, I would have loved to see it go on from there, but it seems like that's the moment where it kind of stops and then it goes into just crazy territory because the, the nerdy William kid then like enacts his plans on the bully guy. And then they just, they, they end up naked together. Um, they definitely, uh, those two definitely have the most interesting arc, right. right. Of, in terms of just, well, I don't know. They have an interesting arc. And I think, Kenny and Denise, Special K and Denise have also another interesting arc in terms of just like identity and, you know, forcing to look at yourself in the mirror and, and say like, really, like, who am I? What What is my purpose in life if I'm not supposed to be this fake Jinko wearing poser kid? You know, who am I really? I'm I'm just Kenny. I'm still the kid who you knew growing up with. And that's kind of a good, interesting growth path. The, the two of them, Kenny and Denise, are both kind of on opposite ends of like the outskirts of this student body, right? Like mm-hmm. he's trying to fit in way too hard while trying to be this like little five foot four thug uh, and like uh, trying to lose his virginity to anyone who will take it. And then she's just trying to get out of this town, doesn't really care about the student body and them coming together and then revealing they have kind of like a shared history. They used to be friends in elementary school or whatever. It's beautiful. Locked in the upstairs uh, bedroom. I, I didn't see it coming because the way Denise was kind of like coded in this movie, you almost think like if this movie was made 10 years later, she would be, uh, kind of the secret gay character right right right. Uh, she would have a crush on someone and that would be realized at this party i was i was almost expecting that to happen but this movie maybe wasn't quite there yet Mm -hmm. i don't think so (laughs) (laughs) it wasn't (laughs) which which you do realize which is fine you know it was the 90s um but I, i i did enjoy their scenes and how they kind of broke each other down in that way yeah. and 
their own little mini moments and kind of met in the middle. Yep, I do. I do like that one the most. It is the most human. It is probably the most relatable, I think, and the most um, realistic, I think, out of all of the 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 three main story points. Um, you know, who who wants to enact a master plan to get revenge on their school bully? Who really thinks they have a chance with the popular girl? The day after she broke up with this four-year relationship, you know, it's it's more of the one in the middle. Even though they are the outskirts, like you mentioned, you know, in terms of like their school society, they are the most relatable, just because it's just about a relationship and breaking down those barriers with yeah. each other. This movie, this movie does take a lot of like '80s tropes and string them together in the same movie. In the way that you're talking about, like. Uh, with Preston and Amanda, it's she's never heard of him. He's in love with her. They're they're kind of heightened in a romantic way with um, William and eventually Mike. It's this nerd trying to get revenge on this jock. And that's kind of heightened almost in like a I don't even know how to describe it, like a sciencey way. Like they're trying to like chloroform these. Guys. Yeah. Do like a, a revenge of the nerds type thing. And then in the middle of that is uh, the Kenny and Denise story, which is why it seems a little bit more relatable is that it, they're, they're kind of this island in the middle of all of this crazy shit happening. You're right. That's true. I do really enjoy the moments. I think Kenny or not Kenny, William and Mike are sitting at the piano and or either they're they're by the fireplace or something like that. And Mike is forced to, to reconcile with himself. He's like, what have I done? You know, he's like, did I, you know, that, remember that one time I did that thing to you? And like, he has a genuine moment. He's like, I'm, I'm sorry. And it's, and it's so like a little bit heartbreaking because of just like, oh man, he's realizing that like, he's a shit bag. It's, it's interesting too. Cause like William is forced to reconcile in a similar way at that point. Cause he hears, he finally sees Mike as a human. And then he kind of realizes that, uh, you know, he maybe hasn't been on top of the food chain throughout high school, but he's planning something equally insane for this. Yeah. And he kind of lords over his own little group of nerdy uh, guys. Yeah. Uh, and he this this movie is about kind of like people on extremes of different spectrums of like popularity versus like sexuality and stuff and like uh kind of coming back together towards the middle and and being a little bit more relatable to each other I agree. Uh, so yeah. mike kind of comes down a little bit william comes up a little bit as he has he gains a weird amount of popularity during this party uh, yeah that's loose um that's kind of their storyline and i just i wish <laughs> we could see that to a different completion other than like, you know, a funny little card at the end. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah I do wish still uh, hate each other. I wish there was a little bit more of that too. There was probably more um, to explore there for sure. More about the consequences of, of doing that of, you know, I, I wish William would have gotten a taste of like, Oh no, my plan backfired. And now I'm feeling the same mm -hmm. kind of ick you know, inflicting this, the same kind of that I would feel from the opposite, like, right? Have, have I been too much of a victim this entire time yeah. that I realize, you know, the weird pain I'm, I'm inflicting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, th this, these are great reads, Joe. Um, this is a, like a close reading this to shit. Right of course, now. this, this 25 year old movie, <laughs> of course, talking about like shitty teenagers going through their shit, but Hey, you know what, Joe? Cheers to you. Here's to you. Um, oh my God. Look at this. Look at this thing. Uh, it's gorgeous. I got a great picture. It's going to be on the gram. This is this is a strawberry Pop-Tart, Joe. This is a strawberry Pop-Tart. 
So I got some vodka, strawberry jam, organic, of course, mm -hmm. uh, lemon juice, some grenadine, and an egg white. Just so it's a little foamy. And uh, there's frosting on the side. There's frosting rim. And uh, there's crushed graham cracker and sprinkles on top. So it looks like a, looks like a fucking Pop-Tart. That's beautiful. I know. Wow. Um, my uh, cup is a red Solo cup in honor of teen parties across America. So um, Donate today. Um, <laughs> so what is inside is, uh, I, as as listeners know, I'm, I'm kind of a gin boy. So I have um, about one part gin, uh, Empress gin to be exact. It's Love that. Love Empress uh, gin. Fancy. It's it goes down smooth and it color and it changes colors with with citrus. The colors all I want, right? Yeah, same. Um, one part gin, about two parts uh, ginger ale, and then what I did was I put uh, frozen strawberries into it, uh, which is kind of nice. A little bit of a tang, and guess what I'm calling it? I'm calling it a berry manilo. No. Oh my god. Yes, I knew I you were. Know. I knew you were going to bring the heat. And that's why I tried to meet you halfway with making this fancy as fuck drink. You took it there with Barry Manilow. Yeah, we both went in different directions. I love that we both kind of centered on strawberries, though. It's the theme of the of the story for sure. It is strawberry centric. Um, yeah. So circling back around, you know, the strawberry pop tarts. Speaking of high school teenagers and pop tarts, mm -hmm. here's a little here's a little fun fact for you, Joe. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure you knew this, but for listeners, uh, Ryan and I, my wife. We used to date in high school. Mm -hmm. We dated in high school. Um, I was a junior. She was a senior. Wow. Every morning, she would drive to my house before school when we would eat Pop-Tarts and watch cartoons before we left for school. Every Shut day. Up. Every day. Justin. Isn't that cute? It's you cute. guys have a kid together. And we have a baby now. And That's she's going to eat Pop-Tarts and we're going to show her all the cartoons we, we watched growing up, which was mainly... Um, Fairly odd parents. Yeah, I, I'm thinking like what was on the cartoon docket in uh, 2003, 2004. Yep. Okay. Yep. yep. Uh, so yeah, so this this holds a good deep meaning as well for that pop charts. Very nice. Um, so kind of talking through our own high school memories, I did not do much on graduation night. I kind of just uh, hung out with friends for half a second and then went home. Um, it's not a huge regret because, you know, you know, you blossom. But I wondered, like, what was your high school graduation like? Was it was it a thing in the way that so many movies make graduation a thing? Graduation was less of a thing. Uh, it was more about like prom. Like prom right. night was like the night where the big party would happen, where you would find, you know, people renting lake houses or whatever up in Lake Lanier or something like that, or it's my parents' lake house or whatever. Everyone come, it, it'd be 200 people up there. That was the main thing. It wasn't graduation night um, or anything like that where there was this big rager at somebody's mom's house or anything like that. That which, you know, coming back around to it, like that is my main kind of like issue with the movie. Like this movie goes until, or the party goes until like 3 a.m. Mm -hmm. Any self-respecting neighborhood like would have shut that shit down immediately. It's a really nice neighborhood. Yeah. It is. And it's a big house. Like, one of my, 
one of my favorite through lines in this whole film is like the really nicely dressed, like super nice preppy uh, girl who uh, whose parents own the house, just being super nice to everyone, but her just completely losing her sanity as the movie goes on. Yeah, really it's, it's yeah, she goes on an interesting journey, and I love every time we check in with her, she's getting more and more disheveled, more and more losing her shit as she loses control of the party almost immediately. <laughs> it's it's so much fun. Um, speaking of like memories and stuff like that, I want to talk a little bit about why this movie is important to me and why I chose it. Get into it. So like I mentioned at the top, this movie was the first one I saw with friends, co-ed. We thought we were hot shit. We were, we were going to go see movies. We were going to go see a movie with, with girls, man. We we're going to see movies with some girls, man. Gosh, we're going to hold hands. Yeah. We, it was the summer of 98. I was going between fifth grade into sixth grade. Wow. Right. So, you know, going into middle school, I'm 11 years old, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hot shit. And me and my friends were going to the movie with some girls. And this was the first movie I remember seeing, you know, uh, you know, obviously without my parents or, you know, it wasn't a PG movie or whatever like that. So, uh, I remember specifically, I got, uh, Sour Patch Kids at the concession stand. It's a classic. And eating it you know, it from the, the cup holder makes such a loud noise. Cause it's, it's the crinkly paper and the girl I was sitting next to, um, who was part of our, our group or whatever. She was just like, can you shut up? You're being so loud right now. And I'm just like, I, I just want the candy. And, <laughs> uh, Watch the movie. it sticks in my mind. I was just like, I'm so sorry. But, um, yeah, so that was summer. That was summer of 98. That's when I first saw it. Uh, but also, interestingly, about that summer, um, one of my aunts on my mom's side stayed with us that summer. She's one of the younger sisters, and she had just graduated high school um, that previous May. And she lived in Texas, and she moved out with us um, or stayed with us that summer in Georgia. And... Um, we were moving houses from one side of the neighborhood or one side of the town to the other. So, um, yeah, she was living with us and she went and also saw it too. Uh, but it was probably way more relevant for her having just graduated high school a month prior. Mm -hmm. Right. But we still had that connection of like, Hey, we both just saw this movie. Wasn't this part funny, you know, this part really funny. Wasn't this part really funny. And, she was getting the jokes that went over my head and I just thought, you know, it was just like, it's a funny butt joke, whatever. Um, <laughs> but that was like a neat bond for us kind of thing. And, um, you know, all the shenanigans she got into that summer, she kind of went, went, went crazy, but had a good time and, you know, shared with me all the nonsense she did that summer. Did you, did you find that this movie had any like staying power within the culture? Like we're, when, when you walked out of this movie, were the kids talking about can't hardly wait and just like, is that what high school is going to be like? Right. So that kind of, that kind of set me up for like, oh boy, high school is going to be so much fun in three years. Cause I was just going into middle school. So I was like, that's what it's going to be. It's going to be parties all the time and talking about sex and whatnot. It's going to be great. But also I'm 11, so like that's probably not the top of my game, and I don't want to drink either. Um, I, I remember empathizing with William's character when he drinks beer for the first time, because I had also tried beer. I was 11, you know. Um, I tried it a couple times before, but also being like, oh my God, this is the worst thing I'd ever tasted. 
the beer has gone bad. No one drinks beer. In all caps in my notes, the beer has gone bad. <laughs> that is one of my favorite quotes of this movie. I have several, and we'll get to them later. Him but, having like a little alcohol measuring chart in his pocket to make sure that he doesn't get drunk for his body weight. It's so funny, but the kid's a stick. He can only handle one or two beers before he's three sheets to the wind. He's he's another one where it was like, was this kind of the last hurrah for that kid? I think I think he retired as a child actor, but that's the kid from Hook. You know, Absolutely it is. And you know what? So this movie was the first movie he had done since Hook no seven way. years prior. So they were just like, let's let's get that kid, right? I think um, he was doing these days. I don't know how they did that. Either they went to him or he went to the studio or whatever. But he's like, you know what? I'm going to MIT right now. I need a break. Let me dust off my acting chops. You look like the skinniest person we've ever seen. Let's and let's get you in this. Thank you. I would love this role. <laughs> I, this would be so much fun. Can you do karaoke? What do you think about Guns and Roses? And the rest is history, as we as we have seen. Um, but yeah, so that's 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 my connection to it, really, and that's why I chose it in terms of just like firsts and you know new start of the year that kind of thing. This one immediately jumped in my mind, and also too, on a previous episode, you mentioned the name Mike Dexter, I think in one of our quizzes, right? Oh yeah, I can't remember, and I corrected you, or I. I immediately knew that wasn't the answer because I was like, oh, Mike Dexter is a character from Can't Hardly Wait, so it's got to be the other answer. And uh, you said you'd never seen it before, so that's that's how that came. Oh, perfect. Justin, Mike Dexter to me is Liz Lemon's fake boyfriend astronaut on 30 Rock, where she's I, always like, my boyfriend astronaut Mike Dexter. I wonder if it's based on this character. God, I <laughs> hope so. That would make sense. She just loves a mean jock. <laughs> um. I want to talk about the production and history making of this movie just a little bit, just a little bit. Yeah. So, you know, we talked about the rating of this movie. This movie originally did get an R rating just for more heavy uses of alcohol, specifically liquor. Um, They had to digitally alter some scenes, but I think one main one that they had to digitally alter. And it's before one of my favorite parts is, um, like at the height of William's popularity at the party, he's like licking some girl's neck and he drinks something and he throws it down and he says, I can't feel my legs. I have no legs. Um, he had a shot of tequila, mm. but they digitally altered it to be a lime or a lemon or something like that because they didn't want to show <laughs> teenagers drinking hard liquor. Beer is fine from, uh, from a keg. But liquor is where they drew the line. Yeah, for like a, a sexy teen movie, there's not a whole lot of sex in this movie. I mean, the, the the one bit is like Denise and Kenny, and theirs is more like part of their story rather than like boobs in the background, you know? Yeah. Um, but I, I did have some trepidation going into this movie. You know, having grown up watching movies like 16 Candles, there is stuff that this movie pulls from 16 candles uh, and stuff that they don't. There's a horrifically stereotyped foreign exchange student who is very interested in sex. Yep. Um, or is he one of my, <laughs> he doesn't know what's happening. Um, one of my thoughts uh, 
going into any movie like this is just like how sexually consensually uncomfortable is this going to get at certain points mm-hmm. uh, and i think this movie kind of did okay in that way yeah uh, and 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 that's what i that's what i think about when you think about like the evolution of these movies like within 16 candles like they they straight up talking are, are talking about like sexually assaulting a, a a drunk unconscious girl and it's like a it's like a little bit yep um and then in this movie it's kind of more like oh let's 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 knock them out with chloroform and show them like kissing butts or something like that yeah um which is fine but like it's 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 more and uh, we we talked about like American Pie and Superbad as kind of the next step yeah. right before you get to like modern times right now. Um, and I wonder if you agree, like it's more about like the the female characters in this movie are a little bit more sexually liberated, if that makes sense. Uh, and they have a little bit more control in these areas. And you see that evolution happening as we go through these movies. Right. Um, so in, in, in this case, like a lot of that happens with like Denise and Kenny, where she's taking kind of more control over that relationship. And it's not necessarily like played for laughs that he finally gets laid, you know? Right. Right. Uh, It's it's like, oh, it's actually kind of sweet. Right. Like it, 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 it takes some time to take its most ridiculous character, Seth Green, and kind of ground him a little bit. And, you know, he needs needs some humbling. He needed definitely to be knocked down a few pegs and show the way of the world. And yeah, I, I love that Denise, Lauren Ambrose's character, like is able to, like you said, she's kind of on the outskirts of it and she's way more, you know, I, I think mature than the rest of the cast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and in a similar sense, so is, um, so is Amanda, like the girls, the friend group that she's in there. You can tell in that first scene when she gets to the party and they're just like, I don't know, just like stick into her like glue of just like, Oh my God, are you okay? And she's like, yeah, I'm fine. It's not even that big of a deal. I, and I do have Amanda's entrance in all caps in my notes as well, just because it is played like a slow motion rock song where like, there's like practically mist coming out. Whenever <laughs> yeah. Her is, like, perfectly blown back and the entire party just stops. Yeah. Uh, to behold her it's kind of amazing it's really fun yeah like the the whole like i can't believe she showed up like that's that's partly why everyone kind of stopped but also too is just like look it's jennifer love hewitt she's she's the most beautiful girl in the world and she's somehow a pariah at this party yeah i know she was Uh, she was just fresh off of doing um i know what you did last summer the year prior so she was they were like you know shooting high getting her into the mix so get this, I have like zero uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt experience. Like I somehow I just like I missed Ghost Whisper. I missed <laughs> five. The the first thing I saw her in was Sister Act Two, incredible movie. Oh my god, she's like one of the students, and then like never again. I've never really like been a Jennifer Love Hewitt person. Yeah. Uh, even though I think she's like a great screen presence in this. Uh, I think she's like fun to watch. Um, but I, I maybe wish they had given her more. Like, I, I understand that she's portraying kind of this like strong character who's breaking out of her molds, but I, I, I want her to be a little bit more self-aware and less of more 
less of like this angelic archetype that the uh the main guy is uh searching for you know yeah um yeah and that's where we said like where the plot kind of fizzles out of just like they really don't deserve each other and they probably shouldn't have ended up together and it because it is so boring and even their first interaction there's like no spark there they have zero chemistry when she first comes up to him at the train station and he's honestly coming across of just like oh never mind this guy's like super boring i think that this movie exists like right on the line from like them ending up together versus this movie getting made at any point in the next decade after this, uh, they would maybe uh, learn more about themselves. Uh, they would maybe try out their relationship, but then realize that they're better off going in separate directions. I, yeah. I think like film in general, teen film in general, was just quite about to hit that that interesting nexus of like, what if we didn't have the two uh, star-crossed lovers end up together, you know? Right, yeah. Or, you know, what if they do fall in love with each other, but then they have to co-commit suicide like like <laughs> Romeo and Juliet like that would have been great if he's like I don't really want to go to school either and she's like I don't know who I am he's like great let's jump on the train tracks I don't know that would have been a way more interesting ending than just like she wrote him a letter every day she was gone like boring lame get out of can here can we can we talk about um some just like let's let's take like a a, a 90 second break to talk about just favorite quotes from this film. Yes. There are some bangers. These are great. Um, there he, were, there were moments where I laughed out loud uh, just watching some of these. And the first one came when they have the little, you know, they have the little like freeze frame title cards whenever they introduce any of the main characters and they introduce Seth Green's character, Kenny. And it's like, it's, it's his yearbook entry and underneath like, sports or like activities it just says like jv basketball one okay. game. <laughs> <laughs> like that's his only claim to fame he's like yeah yeah i play basketball one game but you know i'd love that you caught that because that is one of the, my favorite things that they, that they show in there <laughs> and then uh one of the other ones i wrote down is like the the nerds are preparing to enact their revenge on that night and the the main guy is ready to go into the party and his friend turns to him and he's like from this light you somewhat resemble dave Duchovny." <laughs> that is such a good one they have such good interactions um i love that whole the 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 intro bit of the william character and he's going through exhibit a exhibit b my favorite one is exhibit b He's like, from this the eye patch I had to wear for a week when Mike beamed me in the eye with a with a bean or whatever at at lunch. My parents took me to see a three D film. I saw no third dimension. <laughs> I love that. It's so good. He's like walking in front of them like Sherlock. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, the little nerd clique had a lot of the best lines. Him screaming, "The beer has gone bad." Um, <laughs> was it was it one of his friends who pulls out the picture and he's like. That's the price you pay for dating Christy Turlington. Who says that? Like they're pretending to date Christy Turlington. Yeah, it was one of the one of his two lackeys that are just hanging out on top of the pool house. <laughs> He's like, wait, don't you have a date with your with your girlfriend? It's like, yeah, she's at some photo shoot. That's the price you pay for dating Christy Turlington. It's so good. Um, I love one of my favorite things. So I I internally quote a lot of this movie a lot of places. Um Specifically, anytime I come across the number 92, I immediately think of 92% uh, of when, when they're in the uh, the convenience store on the way to the party. Um, talking about 92% uh, 
of uh, girls going to UCLA are sexually <laughs> active. And it's like, that's, yeah, that's one thing you can glom onto, I guess, if you want. What does um, he say where he's like, I'm going to go to college and 92 out of every 100 girls are going to want to have sex with me. Yeah, they're all thinking, class or six? Class or six? <laughs> like, no, that's not, all right. Yeah, go ahead. Go get him, Slugger. Uh, one of my my most favorite scenes is the exchange between the stoners, Jason Siegel's character, mm-hmm. and the other guy with the blonde hair, and um, Amanda. And she's trying to get them to explain to her or describe Preston. It's like, so he's sort of tall, kind of with hair yeah and he wears t-shirts sometimes well i mean he's preston you know he's preston he's pressed stone like i love it it's so good i i I feel like i just have to take this moment to like touch on some plot elements that i didn't get to in my plot description so preston leaves the party because he thinks that amanda doesn't like him because he kind of professes his love but she thinks that he just wants her for her body just like everyone else is so she like embarrasses him and stuff and so he leaves he's listening to barry manilow he thinks barry manilow is uh uh calling to him over the radio waves by playing this song mandy um and so he like finds a payphone tries to call in to talk to barry manilow almost succeeds interrupted by jenna elfman dressed as an angel stripper coming out of the mist to demand that she use the payphone, drags him out, um, uses the payphone. And then they have kind of like a heart to heart where she's literally this angelic character. It's, 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 it's like Dante's Inferno. She's kind of guiding him through life right now. She kind of gives uh, him a little like pick yourself up by your britches talk. Uh, She talks about how she, is it Scott Bayo who yeah. her crush? Yeah. Chance to meet um, kind of gives him the, the, uh, the drive he needs to kind of take on life. Now uh, yeah. it's, uh, this whole movie is about uh, students on the verge of this cliff and figuring out ways to, to fly over it, you know, yep. in their own individual ways. Like how are we going to, get past this moment and figure out our new or remaining identities. Yep. And and it's, it is, it is teenage, the teenage years all completely in a nutshell. It is young adulthood in a nutshell of like, I think I'm this one way, but it was only because it was attached to somebody else or I thought it was this one way, but it was, you know, for the wrong reasons or I'm holding a grudge or I'm a shitty person or, you know, the list goes on and on. And it's and it's really interesting to kind of see somewhat of the growth. I, I wish, the like you said, they could have pushed it further in multiple instances. But um, I think it sums up just the idea of being a young kid about to take that next step pretty, pretty well. One of the things that I was thinking and almost expecting going into this movie is like, this is also kind of... I wonder if it's like the start or around the middle of the era of like teen comedy films as adaptations of Shakespeare work. Mm. Uh, and be, so you got like, you obviously have like Romeo plus Juliet, the actual movie, but then you have stuff like 10 things I hate about you uh, and stuff like that. Um, and I almost wonder just because can't hardly wait is kind of like an interesting title. It's like, are they, are they having some sort of play on like a, a, a classic work? Uh, and we're going to see some sort of adaptation of that. It wasn't exactly that. No, but, uh, cause obviously it's just like, a, it's, a, it's a very contained teen party movie, but like, um, 
you could almost see traces of something like that in just like the weird ass side characters. So you have like Jenna Elfman coming in as like this Virgil almost. Yeah, right. Uh, speaking to him in his hour of need, giving some advice. You have the girl who's like almost like the fates who's cutting up yeah. the, the, the Coke can plastic. So mm-hmm. it's not going to strangle the turtles. And she like almost prophesizes to, um, is it, is it Ethan Embry at that point who she's talking to? She the the girl with the scissors? Yeah. She's talking to Amanda. Amanda's talking- Amanda's like, "Do you know who Preston is?" and she's like, "Uh, only he was in like your freshman English class." Like, Duh. Why do you know this? Are are you secretly god? Like what's happening? <laughs> right. Yeah, is one of them the uh Yeah, like the Alanis Morissette like actually god and then like at the end it's just like it was a big, you know, story about the Adam and Eve or whatever. It could have been hilarious like that, right? It's like you, you can very much see the the vibe of like characters standing in as tropes for classic things. Uh that that could be easily adapted into a story like this. I think so, but on the surface, and I think just truthfully, this movie was just you know, it's a young just a, time. just a good time, you know. It's just like <laughs> it's a bunch of teen teenagers going to some unattainable party that really wouldn't happen in real life, but like it is the precipice that they're all going to, and they all come out the better for it. If not immediately, definitely down the line, or they get their comeuppance like Mike, where he's overweight and just lost his job at the car wash. Right. Yeah. Hilarious. Yeah, you you love to see it with the villain. I, I, I want more for Mike. I think, uh, I think a lot of these storylines kind of fall into the pitfall of like, Oh, this is the nineties. They have to end up this way. But I think, um, like Denise and Kenny are able to kind of rise above that a little bit, break the mold a little bit. Um, it's, 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 it's like we're saying, it's like an, it's, it's an interesting step in the evolution of the teen party movie. Definitely it is. And then um, I also, I, I didn't want to get out of the episode without talking about like, okay, so we're talking about like the evolution of this particular type of movie, but then like, if we take like a sidestep in the nineties around this time, have you ever seen, I, I couldn't stop thinking about this movie the entire time I was watching Can't Hardly Wait. Have you ever seen Empire Records? Oh, yeah. Yes. Very much like a sister film to this. And not just definitely because Ethan and Re- no, no, no. Yeah. Up at all, right. Right. It's very much like uh, what's going to happen to these crazy kids over the yep. span of one crazy day. Yep. Uh, and we're all going to come out of this changed people. And mm-hmm. this is about growing up. Whereas like this movie's more about like literally going uh from high school to college and like forming relationships and stuff empire records is more just like it's a lot more emotionally driven and a lot Definitely. more heightened in certain ways because mm-hmm. you have these like little musical interludes ethan Embry's doing like a 12 in that movie he is um, yeah everyone's like kind of high a little bit and then you have like a lot more ups and downs between crazy zany comedy and like crazy a like a little dramatic. bit of drama yeah mm-hmm. Yeah, big time. Yeah, this and this one is just like, nope. Let's let's stay high over here with the silly. Yeah, it's a little more mainstream. Uh, yeah. you can probably tell like which one probably made a little bit more money. Yeah, you know, they're uh, they're both in the same vein of movie. Being the immature eleven year old that I was, I had also seen Empire Records around the same time, and I had obviously more fun with Can't Hardly Wait because it's like it's an upbeat party movie, mm-hmm. and where where you know like you just talked about. Empire Records is a little more heady. It's a little more dramatic. And I was like, this movie's boring. It's it's got it's got Liv Tyler in it, like cool. But um and Ethan Embry, I recognize that guy from this movie. But uh this movie's boring. 
there must have been a moment that was like Liv versus Jennifer in the nineties. There had to have been, but but only one of them could land on top and and be in Lord of the Rings, you know? Yeah. Could you imagine the the opposite universe where Jennifer Liv, Tyler, and Party of Five? Yeah. Could you imagine? What a (laughs) world that was. All right. So yeah, there's there's a couple other things I wanted to touch on before we wrap up. Uh just some just some good nuggets, you know. Um originally the cast, the core cast, the six, were going to be all friends originally. Aww. But they ultimately scrapped that because, like, that's boring. What if they were on different factions? Or what if they, some of them didn't even know each other or barely knew each other? That yeah, would add that, more interesting dynamics. That cast of characters has never been friends in any high school that's ever existed. Exactly. You're right. So, like, why would the jock be the friend with the nerd? Like, it's better to lean on the tropes and the cliques. And I think that plays a lot better. Um, it does. It gives us a lot more stuff to do. Yep. And so a, another throwback. We mentioned we mentioned this almost every episode about the two lost episodes that we have in the vault. <laughs> Our real quote unquote episode two that we did talking about Scream. Mm-hmm. That movie came out again the year prior, and that really? the success of that movie. Scream from 1997, you know, pushed the confidence of the studios that to make this movie, you know, they, they realized that teenagers could actively contribute to their success and their dollars and all that kind of stuff. So they wanted to pour the gas on more of those teen centric movies. So this movie was immediately greenlit. They're like, it's a teen. Yeah. But go ahead and do it. Like teen, the teens want the stuff. They want the content. I believe it, yeah. And this movie walked so American Pie could run. Yeah, and then the rest is history. The rest is history. I have and, never seen an American Pie movie. Uh, I mean, it came like three years after this one, I think, and it definitely took a completely different direction. Right. A little more raunch, a little more a little more sex, a little more that kind of stuff, but some of the same elements of like growing up and who am I and all that kind of stuff, and also having just a ripping, banging soundtrack. <laughs> you know um specifically you know the when you think of these late 90s teen movies you think of blink 182's song damn it you know that i guess this is this is growing up they play that in almost every one of those late 90s movies and yeah. so that movie or this movie specifically using that song by blink 182 mark hoppus the bassist was inspired to write another song on their follow-up album called Going Away to College. And it's so sweet. It's wonderful. It's not a sweet song. I mean, but like, it's it's super cool that that happened. Is Damn It the Blink-182 song that plays when the police are raiding the party? Yep. Okay, yeah, because I thought that that, because I, I, I remember that song from growing up, and I was like, yeah, banger. Um, but I thought it was more like 2002 to 2006-ish, and I was like, wow, that's that's from the 90s yeah that's an old ass song not expecting it at all that was off the album before their big ca- ca- uh, you know catapult to stardom of like all the small things and mm. um what's my age again all that stuff that came on the next record yeah um, all-star <laughs> all-star <laughs> side, of, side of bacon cool all right so joe any other closing thoughts before we get into the end games of it all I am glad I have uh, watched this missing link uh, in the '90s party genre. Uh, thank you for uh, sharing this this piece of your history with me. It really is, you know. It's and you know I can't emphasize enough how much 
Ryan and I have talked about this movie of just like, I can't believe your parents let you watch this movie. <laughs> you were 11 years old. You were a child and they let you go by yourself with girl. Like what? Like, I know I get it. Like, but you know, mom and dad. Orgy in that theater. Yeah. It was crazy. It was crazy times. It was the Bush administration. Was it? No, it wasn't. It wasn't the Bush years yet. Yes, it was. Yes, no, it, it was. It, no, you're right. You're right. It was, it was the Clinton years. Yeah. So, I mean, it was crazy times. <laughs> but um, but yeah, like this movie is, you know, obviously it doesn't age super well. There's some hugely pro- uh, problematic bits through it. Walking, watching it back this 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 last time, I was just like, ugh, I wish they hadn't done that. One one thing I will say, yes, I absolutely agree, hugely problematic. But I think this movie does a good job of, at the very least. Uh, when 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 someone like screams out a slur at the top of their lungs in this movie, it's like an idiot character who you're not meant to root for. Right. Um, so you're almost like, oh, that that is something that that person would say in high school, as opposed yeah, yeah. to like the main hero character casually uh, dropping it. Them, yeah. Uh, 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 incredibly uh, offensive. <laughs> offensive. Word. Yeah. <laughs> Of just like, oh my god, I can't believe they're just leaning on this so heavily. And then just like the 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 nice guy pining after a girl, you deserve her time. Just like it's just like, ugh, that sucks so bad. But we we already talked about that bits so of just like putting the lens of a little bit innocence of childhood essentially, because th- these are still children. Yeah, this movie's a very interesting moment where you can see like the bones of of what's to come. The bones of growth, the bones of, you know, strong female characters. This movie definitely doesn't pass the Bechdel test, but, you know, it paved the way for a lot it, it better movies. It passed the Bechdel test. They talk Does about, it? Yeah, they're talking about Gwyneth. There's a whole conversation about Gwyneth where it's just like her and her girlfriends. But it's in relation to, I don't know, we can we can talk about that. We can We can make that a new segment if you want, Joe. We can talk, does it Bechdel? If you want. I think there's literally a podcast that already does that. God, well, I mean, we'll we'll have them on. I mean, we'll do them a service to have them come on our show. I'll call them up. Yeah, yeah. Well, you let you let them know. Um, cool. All right, so let's go ahead and get into the game. Are you ready, Joe? I am. Okay, I will be the first one to say that the past few games I have created for you have been pretty dense quizzes that maybe have been tilted unfairly against you. Mm-hmm. So I am curious to see what you come up with and I'm excited for our, our gaming systems to evolve going forward. Yeah. I, um, this, this should be fine. You know, um, <laughs> you'll be all right, but yeah, so here we go. This is, uh, this is what I'm calling, uh, the nineties teen quiz. Oh God. Welcome back to the 90s teen quiz. Here we are. We got Joe in the hot seat, ready to go. Uh, so yeah, so this is a simple multiple multiple choice quiz centered around 90s teenagers and teen culture. Um, you are you are at a slight disadvantage being born in the mid-90s, but I think you'll be all right. To be clear, Joe was a six-year-old in the year 2000. <laughs> yeah, Joe's born 1994. Let that sit in. Let that sink. <laughs> Um, okay, so whenever you're ready, we'll get started. I'm ready. I was born ready in 1994. <laughs> All right. Four years old when this movie came out. Um, num- question number one, Joe. Which famous three-named heartthrob got his start in television 
but was later catapulted to stardom by lending his voice to a modern animation classic. Am I talking about Jonathan Taylor Thomas, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, or Mark Paul Gossler? Modern animation classic? I mean, any of... All of them are three named heartthrobs that got their start in television, but I don't know any of them that are. Are you okay? Okay, okay. If we're talking about modern, I'm going to go with the one that has the most staying power here and say Joseph Gordon Levitt. Ah, uh, you should have gone with your instinct and gone with Jonathan Taylor Thomas from. What, who does he voice? Uh, the Simba from Lion King. Like it's it's a modern classic. Oh, you bastard! John, I know, Justin. That's from 1993 six the lion king yeah that was that came out in 1993 mon frere no it did not yes it did yeah. we're gonna look that up after you, you're, you, you're completely wrong right nope. now the lion king 1994 actually i'm okay. sorry 1994 the year of your birth wow okay i know you feel bad right that's fine you're over okay. one well uh, now that i know the rules of this game yeah i'll be more prepared next time <laughs> all right <laughs> Question two, what flavor was the pie Jason Biggs's character had relations with in American Pie? And I know this is unfair because you said you hadn't seen American Pie. But maybe you can guess. Oh, yeah. uh, is it cherry, apple, or strawberry rhubarb? I believe it was apple. You are correct. Well done. I, I, I know enough to know that. Yeah, you're right. Uh, question three. What Shakespearean play, this is funny because you brought this up, what Shakespearean play is 10 Things I Hate About You based on? Is it A Midsummer's Night Dream, Hamlet, or Taming of the Shrew? That would be Taming of the Shrew, sir. Well done, Joe. All right, uh, question four. Finish this iconic line from 1999's Varsity Blues. Oh, God. I don't want your knife life or wife oh uh it's 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 he's talking to his dad and he doesn't want his life yeah i <laughs> <laughs> love that uh question five well done you're doing great so far uh question five which of the following names is not one of the brothers from hansen okay wow you got isaac zach or tyler God, my my very best friend Hillary is gonna gonna kill me because she's a very much a Hanson fan. I'm gonna say Isaac. Ooh, wrong, Cor incorrect. What? Uh, the answer was Tyler. There's a Taylor Hanson. Is it Isaac, Zach, and Taylor? Correct. Those yeah. parents named their two sons Isaac and Zach. Yeah, Isaac and Zach. Okay, <laughs> unfair, right? That's super fun. Uh, Joe, what year did the hit show... This is question number six, by the way. Uh, what year did the hit show Mighty Morphin Power Rangers debut? 1991, 1992, or 1993? Weren't there like 80 different shows for Power Rangers? Um, okay, I'm going to say 1992. Ooh, uh, you were about to say it and incorrect. It was 1993. I was about to say 1993. 1993. Like, put it in the middle. He didn't. Yep. Uh, you're doing all right. Uh, question seven. Famously murdered rap stars, Notorious B.I.G. and Tupac, mm -hmm. 
were how old, respectively, when they passed? I'm talking Notorious B.I.G. and Tupac. Were they, were, the they were they 24 and 25? Oh, I got you. Were they 25 and 26? Or were they 26 and 27? I know Tupac was shockingly young, so I would say 24 and 25. You would be correct. Well done. Yeah. Babies. They were children. Insane. 24 and 25. Insane. Insane. Um, question eight. What was the best-selling video game console during the entirety of the 90s? Was it the Nintendo 64, Sony PlayStation, or Sega Genesis? It's got to be Sony PlayStation. It is. It is. You're yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. This was That was from our last episode of A Christmas Story. Kind of ties into that. Yeah, that's what it I'm doing. Well done. See, you're using your context clues. Hmm. Uh, question nine. Uh, Beavis and Butthead wear popular hard rock band t-shirts in every episode. It's the same ones over and over. Butthead wears an ACDC shirt. But what shirt does Beavis wear? Is it Ween, Megadeth, or Metallica? I've never seen Beavis and Butthead, but I thought of Metallica like before you even read the options, so I'm going to say Metallica. Correct. You because it would be the most recognizable logo. Damn right. I mean, it was just like scribbled. It wasn't the actual logo. It was just like handwritten, but yeah. you nailed it. All right, last question. Here you go. You've missed one, two, three so far. So let's get a let's get a solid 70% out of here, Joe, can we? Let's see. Let's do that. All right, question 10. Which Spice Girl famously left the group at the height of their popularity? Oh, I got this. I don't even need the options. Was it scary, ginger, or sporty? It is Jerry Hallowell, Ginger Spice. Atta boy, Joe. Well done. You got 70%, and I think I was pretty fair. That's a passing grade in any American high school. You're goddamn right. Talk about high school of it all. Uh, Joe, thanks for playing uh, the 90s teen quiz. All right. Yeah, baby. Um, cool. That's it. That brings us to the end of the episode. Joe, you did um, admirably at the quiz, and I loved your insight on this beloved movie of mine from my formidable youth. I really enjoyed watching it. I really enjoyed kind of placing it in context in my brain in terms of like, you know, the teenage movies floating around in there. Um, it, it, it felt like a missing piece, uh, that I'm glad I have. Uh, and I, I, I like how we at the very end tied it back to our scream episode because it, it, it very much feels part of that world as well. It definitely does. It's in the same ecosphere. It catapulted, you know, this whole slew of just teen centric movies for teens, you know, they were hungry for comedy and drama and love stories and murder. And, you know, it was, it was all, it was all great stuff to be, to be alive. What a time to be alive in the late nineties. What a time to be alive. Some people say the best time. Um, Some would. Can I do a, a quick plug for our next episode? Yes, you could. Go right, go right ahead. Um, okay, so I'm not going to say it, but uh, so again, we are in a uh, January 2023 uh, mini series of firsts, shall yes. we call it. So this, this episode, Can't Hardly Wait, was Justin's first uh, kind of solo theater experience with uh, his own group of friends. I'm going to be talking about my first memory in a theater period. Ooh. Uh, so we've talked about um, 
how I was famously born uh, at the beginning of 1994. Famously. Um, and so my first theater memory was around 1998. Uh, and so it's going to be a movie from that year that we will maybe drop some uh, teasers on the old Instagram in Ooh. the following weeks. This is going to be great. Uh, I, I know we talked about this either last time or when we were hanging out some other time. And I can't wait for this one. This, is, this one's going to be fun. I am surprised that you have not seen this, but I also get it because it is it is very much the forgotten child in a kind of a series of very popular movies. True. You're right. And when you compare it to the movies that I was watching in the late 90s, like we've talked about Scream and this movie, of course, that one would get would fall by the wayside. We could have been at the same theater because um, like I, I we're talking 1998 still. So like, yeah. You could have been watching Can't Hardly Wait, and I could have been watching this movie at the same time. Probably. Oh, my God. Could you imagine? What a world. Can you imagine? What a world. All right, great. Well, this has been the Uncultured Cinematic Universe talking about Can't Hardly Wait from 1998. Uh, Time capsule, if there ever was one, of film. Uh, Joe, thanks so much for joining me. Uh, Can't wait for our next episode. Be on the lookout for teasers and such, and uh, we're excited to see what this year brings for us all. Joe, take it easy. I'll see you later, my friend. Take it sleazy. See ya.